0: And, uh, man, welcome to VLC. how we doing? Yeah, come on. Hey, my name is Jacob, and I'm one of the pastors here. And, man, I am, uh, as always, I'm so honored and excited to be here. I love Sundays. Come on, I love Sundays. I love coming to church. I love worshiping. I love singing. I love, I love when people behind me sing really well, and they're, like, harmonizing behind me, and I'm like, whoo! come on, the Spirit of God is here. I, I just, I love that. And sometimes I just want worship to keep on going. Right, I don't need to say anything. I don't need to preach. It's just, I just, I man, I love getting to see you. And I, and I, I just, maybe for 2022, you, you start enjoying and prioritizing Sundays just as much as I do. I don't know. Maybe that's, if you're watching it online, maybe you keep, keep watching. Maybe you could show up one day. But man, I just love getting to do this. Come on, this is something I get to do. Tell the person next to you, I get to show up. Come on, tell them I get to sit next to you. I didn't want to, but I get to. Come on, I get to. And, uh, man, this is, uh, this is so good. You know, 2022, I, you know, my dad said, how long can we keep saying this? I figured we just keep saying this all year, right? Because thank God we're not in 2020 anymore. Thank God we're not in 2021 anymore. We are in 2022. So I am happy. Come on. Happy New Year. You know, the thing about New Year's and especially this year is the problem is, is that your problems that you had last year are still with you today, right? Your problems didn't change two weeks ago. Um, your issues that you had, your bad habits that you had did not change all of a sudden when the New Year turned around. Right, your relational issues that you had did not magically disappear when you had that midnight New Year's Eve kiss. Come on, tell somebody next to you, it's still here. Come on, they are still here. People still don't know how to put the toothpaste cap on. That problem is still here, right? People do not know how to drive in South Florida. That problem is still, it didn't change. It didn't change. It might change a few months when the snowbirds go up. That may change, but people still don't know how to pick up dog poop. And so when people with white shoes walk on the grass because they got to walk their dog and step and dog, I'm just, I'm venting up here. But our problems are still the same as they were, right? But I will tell you what also hasn't changed, and that's your purpose. And that's who God has called you to be. That hasn't changed. Come on, thank God that hasn't changed. He has a plan for you. He wants to do something in you. And there are people around us that need the God that is in us. How many would agree that people are in just as much need of God this year as they were last year? Which leads me to this. You know, God has been stirring something in my, in my spirit for the past few months. And my dad and I, our senior pastor, have just been talking about where, where we want to head next year. What, what's, a, what's, a, what's some vision for us? What's a word for us? And God has been stirring something in me the past two months through confirmations and conversations and even waking up in the middle of the night you ever had that God wakes up in the middle of the night could have been because somebody next to you was snoring or you were coughing or but I wasn't I could not go to sleep and God was very clear and I kind of felt like you know I don't necessarily hear the audible voice of God but it was just in my spirit you know what I'm talking about like I, I just think this is it so what I want to share with you today is the word that we believe God has given a VLC for 2022 and that word that we just sang is available somebody say available Come on, I I wanna, I I believe that God wants us to be available to do the things that he has called us to do. I think God is wanting us to open up our hands. God is wanting us to, you know, open up our eyes. And, And I believe God wants to do something, right? I believe God wants to do something in you. God wants to do something around you. I believe what Paul said when he was quoting Isaiah 64 in 1 Corinthians chapter two, he said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or no mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Come on, how many believe that? But the greatest part about that passage is Paul's quoting something in Isaiah that they didn't really understand or hasn't, the things haven't been revealed to them. But now by the gospel of Jesus and the spirit of God, these things have been revealed to us. And so, so we can partake in this. And so the the Lord has just been stirring something in me that's saying, Jacob, I want you to give more. I want you to do more. I want you to sacrifice more because I'll tell you what, there is joy in receiving, Come on, somebody say amen. There is joy in receiving, but there is a greater joy in giving. There is a greater joy in giving. And so I, I just I just wonder if today maybe for you, as this has been something that God has put in us, that God will begin to put in you to say, you know what, as a church, as a body of believers, perhaps we could be more available to what God is doing. Perhaps we could be more available to the people around us. I mean, you got people in your neighborhood that need you, you got people in your workplace. That needs you, and they're just waiting for somebody, for somebody to show up and be used by God to touch something in their life. And so I wonder if today we could be available. Come on, who's ready? Who's ready? Who's willing? And who's saying, here I am? Let's do this. So let's pray. Father, we, we worship you, and we, we pray over your word, God, and once again, we ask that you, could, that you would do only what you can do, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words, that you'd be revealing in the hearts of people, the hearts of people online, God, what your spirit is really wanting to, to say. Would it be challenging? Would it be convicting, God? Would it be encouraging? And Would together as a church, we, we make ourselves more available this year, whatever that looks like. We thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. One more time. Amen. 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 In fact, tell the person next to you, I've made myself available to sit next to you today. So uh, I'm, already, I'm already honoring the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. In fact, if you have an, an actual Bible, you can almost open up right in the middle. It's crazy. These things are open up right in the middle, and you'll turn to, to Ecclesiastes. Um, you'll turn probably to, uh, to Isaiah right there in the middle. Go to Isaiah. You know, Isaiah is an interesting um, character in the Bible. He was probably one of the most profound um, prophets in Scripture. Um, a, a lot of what Isaiah was called to do and was, was sent to do, um, he, he shared a lot to the nations of Israel, to the nations of Judah, to the other nations. Many of his prophecies would begin with like, the historical context of what's happening, like the issues, the problems, problems there. And, and uh, he, would then, he would then move to some of the prophecies of the, of the coming of the Lord and the return of the Lord. and You know, a lot of the New Testament writers used Isaiah more than any other prophet in the Old Testament. Clearly, there was a call in this man's life. Clearly, God had an assignment. Well, somebody say assignment. God had an assignment for Isaiah to preach something and share something that only Isaiah could do. But before he could do that, there, there had to be something that took place in his life. Before he could receive the assignment, there needed to be something inside of him going on. I was talking to a friend the other day who's, who's, who's walking through some depression. And he's been through depression before, but he's kind of backing it a little bit. He's fighting it. And he was telling me, he says, Jacob, I know what I need to do. I know what the A to the Z is. I know the steps. The difficult part is getting to point A. It's getting there. It's understanding how to get there. And so for Isaiah, he, he knew what to do. He knew what he was supposed to share. But getting to that assignment, getting to A, where, where, does it all, where does it all begin? Because he doesn't start off with his assignment. He doesn't start off with his calling. In fact, if you go to Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 1, I'm not going to. I'm not going to read it. Well, I'm going to read it. I'll read a verse for you. But this is, this is what's taking place because th- there's a lot of issues. He, 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 can, he starts to preach the visions that God has given him. He starts to preach the things that are, that are concerning to him, uh, to Judah and Jerusalem. He's addressing that there's, this, there's, there's a problem here. In fact, he says in chapter 1, verse 4, a sinful nation, people loaded with guilt, children given to corruption, they have turned on the Holy One and they have forsaken the Lord. So this is a, a sin state condition that, that this nation is in, and Isaiah is attempting to, to bring them back to the Lord. Somebody say, bring back. Come on, you know what this is like because you've done this before. You've had, to, you've had to bring some people back. This is probably a message we could preach today. And a nation that seems to be forsaking God, there are messengers, there are speakers, there are preachers, there are employees, employers who are assisting in bringing people back, bringing a nation, bringing the hearts of people back to where they were originally meant to be and so we start actually in chapter six of isaiah he, he talks a lot about the, the conditions but then he moves on to chapter six and here's where i want to start because this is where this is where he gets to point a this is the this is the in between and have we got any note takers out here in the room any note takers cool sweet god has a bigger house for you in heaven for those who are note takers and uh Please, you don't have to say or write any of the jokes or the bad things that I say. Only the, only the good things and the things that God has to say. So it starts in verse 1 of chapter 6. He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Somebody say, he saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. You know, as we talk about being available, you can't be available to the things that God is wanting you to do if you have not been in the presence of the God who is telling you what to do. So you, you've got to be in the presence. Isaiah says, here is where I saw, somebody say saw, here is where I saw the Lord. He, 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 was, he was in the presence of God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to him and what God will, God will draw near to you. So maybe you're here today, you're thinking, God, um, I, I, I don't know what you're up to, but I certainly can't hear you. Where are you at? What are you doing? What are you trying to say? Can you, come on, God, can you speak up? You ever said that to God? God, can you speak up? And I think God is responding to us, I'm not gonna compete with all the voices that you have in your life to get your undivided attention. I need you to come closer because I'm whispering. I need you to draw closer. I need you to come closer. You draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And if God is whispering, that means that the closer you are to God, write this down, the more clear his message is. And so if, if, it, if I want it to be clear, then I've gotta be close. If, if I want it to make sense, then I've gotta... I've got to be close enough for it to make sense. My wife will say this to me all the time if she's talking to me on the phone and I'm clearly not listening. She says, I'm going to hang up because you're not listening. I'm not fighting for this undivided attention that you should already be giving me. Amen? Wives out there, come on. And so I think God is, the same. God is doing the same thing. He said, I'm not, I'm not fighting for that. I'm, go, I'm, going, I'm going to whisper. And if you're close enough and if you're quiet enough and if you can silence all the other voices that you're listening to, you might just know what I'm trying to say. And so Isaiah said, I'm I'm in the presence of God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Maybe for 2022, we just need to seek the Lord. We need to to find some time to be in his presence because how are we going to know what to do if if we don't know what he's trying to say? How do we do that? We get into this. We get in prayer. We show up to 21 nights of 21 days of prayer and fasting on Tuesday nights. Every Tuesday night, we show up, we be apart, we find time with our family, we, we silence, we get off social media, we do all these things because if I wanna find God, then I have to seek him and he says that you will find me. So I wanna be more available and it's a good reminder to know that God is always available. He is always available to us. I think it's about Psalm 1611. We will know the path of life and we will find a joy that is fulfilling. I think about Exodus 33:14 that says, in his presence, you will find God rest how many of you could use some rest this year you could use some rest you could just say everything around me just settle down i just i just want to i just want to sit you know isolation can be bad at times but i think it could also be good at times i think it's good to isolate ourselves because it's there in the isolation where god's word and god's voice becomes a little bit more clear because all the distractions are away and gone and, I, and 21 days of prayer and fasting is such an amazing time for you to say, you know what, I'm going to rid myself of all of this just so I can focus on this. So the closer you are to God, the more clear his message becomes. Whether things are bad, whether things are good, where should we be in the presence of who? God. Where was Isaiah when King Uzziah, which by the way, I know tragically ended, you know, his life wasn't, wasn't so great at the end, but overall was a good king. The nation saw a lot of success, a lot of favor. So Isaiah is frantically worrying and, 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 and probably concerned about, you know, what's happening? Where, where is God? Because our king on our throne is no longer there. What, what are we going to do? So where was Isaiah in the presence of God? But where, where was God? Well, what did Isaiah say? He said, I saw the Lord high and exalted. This is in verse 1 of chapter 6. He said, seated on a throne. So, so where was God? Where he always was. Where he always is. And where he always will be. Where? On his, on his throne. We have, we have this issue as, as mankind. It's part of our belief systems. humans to recognize and honor the one seated on the throne here on earth. It's just, it's just part, of our, it's part of humanism. It's like a core belief of humanism. It's just—it's there. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's who we look to, who we trust in. Not all of us, but people. But what happens when, um, when there is? Because the, the problem about that throne is—it's contaminated with sin, it's contaminated with ruin, it's contaminated with failure. We've seen that, and it's also contaminated with death. And so, what happens when the throne here on earth is vacant? We gotta fill it. But how many are you thankful? Because scripture is very clear that there is a throne in heaven, which all the prophets talked about because they saw in visions, that there is no fallen man or woman seated on it, but there is a God who sits on it. That throne is occupied by God. Come on, how many of you thankful that there is a God who occupies that throne 24-7? And so we, we don't have to be concerned about where is God. Isaiah may say, God, where, where, where are you during this time? What, what's going on? Um, he, he is where he should be. And we is, he is where we should be as well. When I think about Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the writer says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that me, we may receive. Somebody say receive. Receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is ready to give it. The question is, are you ready to receive it? Are, are, are you in a position to receive it? Isaiah is certainly discouraged. That They've lost the leader of Judah. It's no longer there, but he's quickly reminded of who was, who is, and who always will be on that throne. God. So when you need mercy, God has it. When you need grace, God will give it. And when you're empty, God will fill you. Because God is the one who is supplying our every need. God is the one who is making all grace abound so that we may abound in every single good work. So he goes on to say this. Look at verse 5. This is his response to what what is taking place, what is happening, because here here Isaiah is explaining, like, do you you know what's happening? Do you you see what's taking place, God? But then he sees God, and he sees him high and seated on the throne, and and in fact, his response, which really is his only response, and would probably be our only response to a a God as magnificent as ours, he says in verse 5, woe to me. He says, "I, I am ruined, the KJV puts it, and says, I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. Notice, notice what happens. He first recognizes what's going on in him. But then he goes on to say, and I live among people of unclean lips. I wonder how many of us would switch that. God, I am just in a world full of sin, and I'm just a product of it. Or God, I am full of sin. You already know everyone else around me is. So he takes it on himself. He recognizes it himself. He says, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Write this down. It's the conviction that leads to confession. It's the conviction that leads to confession. You see, I'm now confessing the things that I've done because I have been convicted of the things that I've done. I don't think any of us confess things that we're not convicted of, right? We ain't going to let it out there. I don't want anybody to know, so I'm not going to tell anybody. until somebody calls me out or asks me or I get right with the Lord and I feel it's necessary. You see, it's the conviction that Isaiah is feeling. It's the sight and the sound of a holy God that brings Isaiah to his knees to say, I'm at fault. Woe to me, for I am, am ruined. Woe to me, for I am unclean. Remember, he takes it on himself. But this is important for us because he was in the presence of God and the result of being in the presence of God was conviction and confession. Before God used Isaiah to do great things, before God used Isaiah to preach these visions that he's seen, before um, God is using Isaiah to perform miracles, God had to show him first what was inside of him. God had to first do a work in him. Isaiah had to see it. He, Isaiah had to feel it. He had to recognize that he was undone. In fact, Spurgeon says, I am undone is a great place to be. Because God will never do anything with us till He has first of all undone us. Come on, that's good. God will begin to do a work through you, but first God is gonna do a work in you. And so that's a that's a good place to be. Tell somebody next to you, that's a good place to be. I I am undone, and that is a good place. It, it's the starting point. It's it's getting to getting to A is recognizing that I, I am at fault. If, if God is gonna do something. Um, through you and God is going to do something with those around you, God first has to start with you. And and it makes sense to many of you because you have passions and desires and those passions and desires weren't necessarily bought, but they were bred out of pain. They were bred out of experience. They were bred out of understanding and who you are today is, is a result of a lot of things that you've gone through. And a lot of things that God has done in you. And so you can see in my effectiveness or, or my leadership or the way I, I do things, the way I command is a result of the things that have been done to me. And, and the, the issue with that is a lot of, a lot of times that's, that's bad because our leadership is poor because of how we were raised. Or it can be good because of how we were raised. It really goes back to the beginning. It goes back to what happens before A. So before Isaiah could do the things that God was asking him to do, God had to, God had to break them. God had to show him who he was. God had to show him what he's done. And I, I just wonder if we've been so ready to minister to God but, or to people, but we have not allowed God to minister to us. We're, we're just so, so ready to get out there and preach this thing to people, but yet we have failed to show up to church and allow this thing to preach to us. We, we, we've been so ready to fix people, and God is like, You need to be fixed. We have so been ready to, to bring the heart of God out of people, but God is like, You, you need to bring the heart of God out of you first. You know, before I can take the the speck out of somebody else's eye, I have to understand and realize and acknowledge that I've got a plank of my own. And so, God is wanting to do something in you before somebody say before, before He goes on to do something through you. We want, God is wanting honesty, and He's wanting us to be honest about our shortcomings, about our weaknesses, about our failures. If you're wanting to be available, we got to be in the presence of God. But we must be honest with with where we're at. Because if we're not honest, listen, if you're an employer here, you'd hire honest people, right? But you don't want to hire any liars. And I think we we got a a long list of resumes with a bunch of inaccuracies, amen? A bunch of lies. In fact, they they say that in resumes, you're you're most likely to lie in this one thing, um, your titles in, in the past. You know, some of you are like, I was the... I was the I was the B zone manager, you know. I, I managed. You were just like serving these tables over there, and it was it was it was in section B. And so you were like, "I'm the I'm the manager," you know. You just you're just throwing out titles that you you never were. You know, I I, I oversaw you know all the facilities. I I, I was I was oh, you were the security guy that just you know drove around the thing. But you you were I was facility overseer oversight of all. You know, you just and so uh, but God can use honest people. Right? And some of you need to be a bit more honest in your interview process. In fact, you probably should bring a lawyer to defend all the inaccuracies in your resume. I've been there. I've typed up the resume. I'm like, this is funny. <laughs> I, I hope they believe all this because uh, I'm going to get a good job. Um, but, and people can see through your lies, And you may say it's just bragging, but there's a fine difference between lying and bragging. And we've got to be very careful. The craziest part is that, that God really knows Proverbs 12, says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. It's important. Again, I'm getting to, it's important to be honest with where you're at. Right? I, I want to make myself available to the things of God. I want to make myself available to whatever God has for me. Then I've got to be honest with what I have. I've got to be honest with, with where I'm at. And, and if we're honest with where we are and if, honest with who we are, then, uh, and, and, what, and where we are, God begins, he, he says he, de, he delights in that. He delights in people who are trustworthy. And so we have to be honest about our weaknesses. And so look at verse, look at verse 8. Because, you know, in verses 6 to 7, God essentially is, uh, is redeeming Isaiah. He's forgiving Isaiah of the sins. He's, he's uh, washing over them. And uh, here's what God says in verse 8. And this is what I want to get to. This is, this is it. This is the message of available. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send? Somebody say send Send. and who will go? Somebody say "Go." go for us, who will I send and who will go? God was looking for somebody to send. God was looking for somebody to go. God is still looking for people to send. God is still looking for people to go. And, and what, what is your response? What's Isaiah's response? He says, here I am, Lord. Come on, send me. I, I just, it's funny because I just picture God up here saying, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we need some volunteers for church. Miss Debbie's uh, Sunday school class has got some second grade boys that are a little disruptive. We need some crowd control. Who can volunteer? Right? Who can volunteer? And he's just asking us, who, who will go for us? Who will help people? People park in the parking lot because we live in South Florida and they just don't know how to drive. They don't know that when there's a, a parking curb, that that is one spot. And, and there are li- I know we don't have lines because there's grass outside, but th- there are lines, imaginary lines, all right? And, and you're supposed to take, you know, I'm just saying, God is looking for some volunteers to car control, you know? To, to God is looking for some people to speak at, at these places, to go to these neighborhoods, to speak to these individuals. God is looking for people to do some evangelism. He's looking for some servants, and he has a list, and he's taking names and numbers of those who are, and he might be taking names and numbers of those who aren't. Who will volunteer? Oh, you won't? You're on this list. It's like Santa Claus. He's got the naughty list, and he's got the good list. I'm not saying if you don't serve a volunteer that you're, you know, you're not going to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying God is looking for some volunteers to do the work that he has assigned us to do. And Isaiah, he said, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Come on, somebody say, here I am. Send me, here I am, send me. This is a divine commission. I don't want you to, to, to not see this. This isn't just, oh, cool, you're in, cool, sweet, all right, let's go. This is a divine commission. This is a divine assignment given to Isaiah. Go, go to Exodus chapter 3. I, I want to give you, give you a, just another short story of, of somebody who has been given a divine commission You have a guy named Moses because, you know, it's important for us to understand the assignment. We can't make ourselves available to that which we do not know. Okay, so that's why it's important to be in the presence of God, to be honest with where you are. Because I think a lot of people, we want to make ourselves available. And we we start to make ourselves available to things that were uh, really not, not meant for us. And a year down the road, 10 years down the road, we're doing things that were meant for somebody else. But here we are, God, I made myself available. God said, you made yourself available to the wrong thing. You're making yourself available to the wrong person. You're making yourself available to the the wrong company. Your availability, I, I applaud, but where your availability is and what it's for, I do not. And so we have to be very careful that we understand the assignment that God has for you and for me, and that's what we walk in. That's what we make ourselves available. There is, of course, a lot of things in Scripture that we can make ourselves available to, but the assignment that God has for you, the purpose that God has for you is only for you. Tell the person next to you, what God has called you to do, come on, what God has called you to do isn't for me. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God it's not for me. That's for you. That's your burden to carry. It's not my burden to carry. So, um, so Moses, go to Exodus 3. Moses, you know, Moses is an Israelite, and there was a, a law that all babies were to be born, all, all, all boy babies were to be killed, and so uh, the Israelite boys, so, so his mom puts him in a river, and you know the story. If you've seen Prince of Egypt, you, you probably know the story. I've read, the, I know, that's such a great movie. I want to watch that movie now. Wow, I love that movie. And uh, Egyptians take Moses and they raise him. So he's kind of raised as an Egyptian, but he's really an Israelite. And the Israelites are enslaved at that time. And, and so Moses, who is like, am I, I know I'm those people, but here I am, these people. I've got privilege now, and I know, but that's not really me. And uh, he, he defends his people. Uh, there's an Egyptian slave owner who was beating one of his brothers. And so he uh, kills this person, and there's a hunt for his head, and so he flees. So Moses leaves. He goes to where? Midian. So he's in Midian. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment because you know the story. He comes back and he frees all the people. I think sometimes God is saying, in order to use you where you're at, I need to get you out of there. I need to grow you, and I'm going to send you right back. So just don't think that going back to where you were is such a bad thing, okay? Don't think that, you know, moving back to the same place or going back to the same job or going back to the same company is a bad thing. I think sometimes God has to pull us out to show us, teach us, then to bring us right back in. So this is what's happening with Moses. He's, he's now in Midian. He meets a family. He marries into a family, and he starts watching sheep. But that, that was not his purpose. That, that was part of the plan, but he had an assignment on his life that God was about to give him, and he does it through a burning bush. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Just pause there. Aren't you thankful that God is concerned about your suffering, that he's not not absent? In fact, he's maybe even more present. He hears you. He sees you. He knows you. He says he's concerned. So he says, I have come down to rescue them. From the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of the land into the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, whatever, sites. And now the cry of the, I don't want to say whatever, but I'm just saying, there's a, a lot to read. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So, here's the assignment, so now what? Go. Let me say Go. So now go. Moses, I I need you to to go back. What does he need him to do? He needs him to go back. He's sending him to Pharaoh because he's going to free the people of God from Egypt. Now, that's an assignment given to Moses. Now, you go back to Isaiah. Isaiah had an assignment, which I'm not going to talk much about Isaiah's assignment because it is a horrible assignment. But Moses and Isaiah have an assignment. Isaiah responds probably like most of us would not respond. Right away, immediately, without hesitating, without questioning, I'm in. Moses responds a bit different. He begins to question. He begins to, to argue with God. He says, God, you tell me to go. I say, no. I don't want to go. I just got married. I'm watching sheep. God says, Moses, I need you to go. And and I think so many of us will justify our actions of not being obedient to God. Because of our comfort level, because of our, maybe our inability to do what God has called us to do, maybe we're just saying, God, I, do you even know who I am? Do you even know the skill sets I have? You need me to speak? I can't even speak. You need me to walk? I can't even walk. You need me to do these things? You need me to make big decisions? I couldn't even make decisions when I was graduated. I didn't know what school to go to. What, what are you talking about, God? But here's the thing I know about God. God, when he sends you, he equips you. Church, not only does he send us, but he equips us. Do you have anybody thankful that God is equipping you? Come on, God is equipping you with the tools you need. He's equipping you with the things that you need. He even equips you with the people that you need. Come on, that, 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 we don't have to do this alone. Some of us think that our journey is supposed to be meant for just us. And man, I, I've just seen so many Christians who are lonely. And I, yeah, You know, narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. Few will take it. I'm the few. Hey, listen, bud, few is not Singular. <laughs> Few is plural. Few, few is a few, a few people, all right? Maybe one other. It's not just you. So, so you've got to get that out of there, that, that, that God is going to send some people with you. And so what is Moses? Moses is like, God, um, you, know, you know I can't speak, right? You know, I have a, you know I'm slow in tongue. This is what he says in Exodus. He says, I'm slow in tongue and I'm slow in speech. This is us. We're questioning the assignment that God has given to us. We're not all like Isaiah. When I was 19 years old, I could have been like Isaiah. Because at 19 years old, that's the year that I told God yes. I don't know if, you know, I got saved when I was eight. And I remember it clearly. But it wasn't until I was 19 years old that I said, God, I'll go wherever you send me. I'll do whatever you do. I was also single. I didn't really have a career job. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a wife and kids. So, you know, I could do that. Sure. And God challenged me because it was the week that I said yes. I remember it clearly. I was a counselor at a camp. And I said yes to God. And some dude shows up, some guy from Georgia, big dude with a big southern accent. He was like, Jacob, he's like, would you go as far as Georgia? And I was like, oh, God, come on. I don't want to go to Georgia. Have you seen, have you seen people in Georgia? You know? I don't know who's rooting for Georgia tomorrow night, but. Roll Tide. You know, so I just, I'm just like, God, you know, you can send me to Georgia. But I immediately responded, and I said, yes, I'm in. No, I didn't have to go to Georgia. But now that I'm older, now that I'm uh, married, and I've got some kids, I've got a home, I've got a job, if God were to call me out, I, I think I'd question a bit more because I didn't have much to lose. Now I have some responsibilities. Now I have some things to take care of. Now I have an FPL bill that I have to pay for. So now I, have, I, just, I just can't get up. Maybe I could, but, but I have to. I, so I'm, I'm Moses. Is anybody Moses? God, no thanks. <laughs> they, they don't even like me. You're going to send me back to go, sh- to go tell them and, and love on them? They don't even like me. They, 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 they don't want me there. In fact, I've got a speech impediment. I'm slow. And God says, I know you've got a speech impediment, but, but you don't know that you've got a brother named Aaron who speaks well, and he's going to speak for you. So God is now not only equipping us for the things that we need, but he's sending us people to do it for us. Come on. Thank God for people who can help us and do this with us. We are not alone. And so God is saying, you know what? God, I, I want to say yes, but I just don't have the money. God says, I'm going to send somebody to pay for that. I'm, I'm going to send somebody who can fork the bill for what I have called you to do. Well, well God, I, I just, uh, I just uh, I, I don't know because I'm, I'm too short and I can't see God says, Zacchaeus, I built a tree that's standing right next to you. Climb that tree so you can see Jesus. Oh, but he's small and he's young and he can't kill that that giant. You don't know what he's done. That man has killed a bear and that man has killed a lion. What more is this giant? So, So you see, God is now prepping you and preparing you for the assignment that he has given you. You may say, Well, I don't have any tools. Look at your past. Perhaps the pain that you've experienced, perhaps the the wounds that you've experienced, perhaps the difficulties and the loss of life that you've gone through has all been a means of prepping you to do the thing that God has called you to do. And so does that count for anything? Does the 40 years of experience, does the 30 years of experience, does the 12 years of being a parent, does that that not count for anything? I I need you to to shift your perspective and start viewing your past as an asset, And not something that's going to wear you down, but it's going to bring you to a place where you're going to be used to do things for God, things that we can't even think, things that we can't even see, things that we can't even hear yet, but things that we know that God has prepared for his people who love him. God is sending you, but he is equipping you. God is looking for people who don't just have ability, because that's not too important. He is looking for people with availability. And God is going to send some people who have made themselves available. I thank God I don't have all the abilities because, man, if he would have have said, if that would have been the the determining factor of whether or not I got this job or I got that job, I would not have got the job. And so I thank God that I was just available. I just happened to be the one standing in front of everybody else. You know, maybe you were just the one that was, you know, you were picked last. You were the only one available. I thank God for the only people available. Come on, I thank God I was picked last. I'm just thankful that I was a sore thumb, that I stood out. And I I didn't have any ability. And so God isn't looking for the ability. God isn't looking necessarily for what you can bring to the table. God is just looking for your availability. He's saying, I'll give you what you need. David, I know I'm talking about David because we're we're about to get into a study of David here in the next couple months. And we'll talk about callings and assignments and waiting. Somebody say waiting because he was given, it, it was his turn, but it was not his time. And so a lot of you are like, it's my turn, God. God says, yes, your turn, but it's not your time. And so we're going to get into that. But David, what, what did he have? He, he faced the Goliath. He was given all the tools, all the abilities, all, all the things that he needed. And, and he's like, I'm good. God will God'll give, give me the ability to throw this rock. That's all he had. It wasn't an, a, necessarily an ability. It was, he, was a, he was available. And God said, I'll use that rock, and I'll take down a giant so God is looking for people who will make themselves available, not just people with abilities. Let me me close with this. You know, Isaiah had a call. Isaiah had an assignment. And and the reason why I don't, his assignment, if you can go on and read it, God was like, hey, what I'm calling you to do isn't really going to be fruitful. You know? And uh, I I don't think that um, the test is whether or not we are fruitful. I think the test is whether or not we are faithful. And God isn't looking for us to produce fruitfulness out of the assignment that he's called us to do. God is just really wanting us to be obedient and faithful to the assignment. God is in charge of doing all the the growing, right? Amen? You know, Paul said, and Apollo said, I plan, or you water, but God is responsible for growing. And so uh, um, Isaiah had an assignment that really wasn't going to be beneficial. It was really going to save few. He was to speak all these words of doom and gloom, but few would receive it, and but that was his assignment, and he obeyed. Moses had an assignment that he argued, but he eventually, he eventually obeyed. And perhaps for you today, you know, your delayed obedience is still disobedience. But you can obey. Just obey now. Don't wait any longer. But God has given us an assignment for VLC. God is giving us something that we are to make ourselves available to. He told Isaiah, go and tell. That's what he told Isaiah. Just go and Tell. Remember in Jesus in Mark chapter 1 when he told the disciples after he just showed them what he could do, he said, let's go and let's tell. He told the demon-possessed man who was freed of the demon in Mark chapter 5, he said, now I need you to what? Go and tell. The angel of the Lord told the the women at the empty tomb, he said, now that you have seen, I need you to what? Go and tell. Come on, somebody say go. Go and somebody say tell. Tell tell I need you to I need you to go and I need you to tell now that you have seen now that you have experienced now that you have experienced the wonders of God the miracle power of God now that you've experienced it now that you have saw it as Isaiah said I saw the Lord now I need you to go and I need you to tell and so he had an assignment that he went and so Jacob are you saying my assignment today is just to go anywhere God asks us to do and say anything that God asks me to do or say, sure, maybe. But I, I wanted you just to see how, 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 how important this is, how big this is for God to say, I've given you an assignment. I want you to make yourself available to this. Will you do it? The outcome and the result is God's. It's not yours. You may think you're failing at the assignment that God has called you to do. But the failure isn't in the outcome. The, the, the success is, is, in, is in the obedience, whether or not you're, you're walking in it, whether or not you're doing it. That's what God is concerned about. So let God be concerned about the results and let you be concerned about doing it, amen? And, and uh, so I'm not asking you to just to pick up shop and abandon everything and leave, that's certainly not what I'm saying, but Isaiah spoke to an entire nation. Moses was freeing an entire group of people. And I just want, I want, I want you to know that and show you what God can do through you and has done through people in the Bible when they've simply said, I'm available. Somebody say available. There's, there's two things that we, have, we, that we wanna give you in, in, in this context of being available, two things that we wanna make ourselves available to. And, and th- again, this is personal for me. I found myself wanting to give more and sacrifice more. And again, the, the possibility of that is determined by the availability that I'm willing to give so I could, I could do more, but am I, am I available more? But there's two things that I believe the church wants, or God wants to tell our church for 2022, two things that God wants us to make ourselves available to. And whether you receive this, whether you take this or not, whether you run with this, this will be something that we'll continue to talk about throughout the year, continue to talk about at the end of the year. Two things that we're gonna make ourselves available as a church. Number one, the ministry of God. And number two, to the ministering of people. That's it. That's broad, sure. There's a lot to that. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that looks like for me. I know God is working on my time. God is working on my finances. God is working on my availability with my family. God God is working on me. God is putting a a generous spirit inside of me that I I just, again, I, I have so much joy in giving more so than I have receiving and this isn't just like all of a sudden God showed me this. Church, this has been my entire life. I, I just found so much joy. And if you want something, be my friend, okay? If you need a truck, I will lend you my truck. I, I'm serious. I've just been, well, kind of serious. One of my friends accidentally ran over a bush with my truck. And I was like, I will never give you my truck again, you know? Um, so I just, you have to be wise. But uh, I just think that God is so important and people are so worth it. And the things that I have, I'm just uh, just a steward of. Now, there are things that God has called me to take responsibility for and to lead, but um, I just want to hold loosely the things that God told me to hold loosely. And uh, even if that means my kids, they say, God, you can have it all. I want to learn what it's like to have nothing and to be content, as Paul said, and to be satisfied. And so as a church for for this year, we wanna look to say, God, how can we, whether it's finances or resources or time or our space, how can we make ourselves more available to the ministry of God? I'm talking about organizations outside of this building. I'm talking about families outside of this building. I'm talking about a community that's in need. How can I be available to the ministering of people? How can I do what Isaiah did and, and the disciples did and I went and told everybody about Jesus, or I went and, 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 and gave them the things that they needed, or I went and showed up, I was, you know, the thing about being available is you, you better watch out, because as soon as you say you're available, as soon as you say, something may just show up at your door. Because if you say, God, send me, I'll go. Send me, I'm available. God said, let's go today. This is happening today. You would say, I wanna make my, myself more available to love, you're gonna have somebody who's unloved show up at your door tonight. If you wanna say, I wanna make myself available to give more, you're gonna have some people knocking on your door, calling you, saying, hey, I'm in need of some finances, can you help me out? God, I didn't want this right away, I wanted this next year, I'm, I'm in a season of preparation. God said, you already had the preparation, it's now time to go, it's now time to do. You wanna make yourself more available to, uh, to pray, Somebody's going to text you today and say, can you pray for me? And you're going to have to pray. God is going to put you through some of that. If you say, I'm willing, I'm ready. Because some of that will just show up. I was, you know, the friend I was talking to about the depression, well, he texted me the other day and he's like, this is what I'm going through. And I was actually in the middle of prepping this. And uh, I grabbed my keys and I was ready to walk out the door. And I was going to show up at his house and sit with him. And then my wife said, where are you going? I have, I have an appointment and one of our kids is sleeping. And I was like, oh, man, God. Could somebody watch the kids for me, you know? This is important, but that was more important to be with my family, of course. I couldn't leave my kids sleeping. My kids are four and almost two. You know, I can't, can I yet? No, not yet, okay. The oldest one can fend for himself and he can kind of watch the other one. And so uh, here I am, 30 minutes later, this dude shows up in my driveway. He was there. Sometimes if you make yourself available, you won't even have time to get there what is there will show up at your door. So you better be ready. Come on, tell the person next to you you better be ready. You better be ready because if we're making ourselves available, it's going to happen today. Come on, somebody say today. It's going to happen today. Hey, church, will you stand to your feet? Man, I just, I just want you to know how much I care for you and love you, and we as a church are making ourselves available to you, and I pray that together as a church, we want to make ourselves available to each other and to the community around us, and to your jobs, and to so what God is doing outside this building. This building is like the huddle. This is where we come. We talk about God. We put our hands in and we say Jesus on three, and we get out there, and we start doing the assignment that God has called us to do. And so as a church, 2022, we're gonna make ourselves available to the ministry of God and to the ministry of people. Come on, how many are in? If you're in, just lift your hands. Come on, can you just lift your hands all across this room? God, we worship you. And God, we thank you. And God, in the middle of brokenness, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of pain, Lord, you are pulling people out to go give and to go do and to do what you've called us to do. And so God, would you raise up some Isaiah's in this room right now? Come on, would you raise up some Moseses in this room? Would you raise up some Mary's where you called to go and tell people? God, would you raise up the woman at the well? Give us more women at the well, Jesus. When you said, go and tell, don't shut your mouth about it either, just go and shout. Go and preach and go and tell everybody you can about the goodness of God, about the power working wonders of God. Go tell, come on, I'm here. I'm here, God. Come on, we're available. Church, would you make yourselves available? If you can, would you just open up your hands and say, God, I'll hold loosely the things that you've called me to hold loosely. And God, I step out. Come on, I step out. Come on, let's sing this.